RadioInfluence.com. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Friday edition of the Dark Delight Podcast with TGIF, frankly, and <laughs> Beef. The stutter was great. That was <laughs> yeah. I didn't know where I was. I forgot. I forgot about Val, and then I realized the TGIF ends with the F and Frank, and I was like, oh no. <laughs> what do I do? That was great. Yeah. So it's Friday. It's Happy Friday. Friday. Yeah. That means the weekend's coming. And it means that we are one we are one minute closer to the Dark Delight Extravaganza at the end of the month. Yeah. Yes, we are. Three month three but weeks away. I'm really looking I'm really looking forward to the time away. I hope that uh I hope everything goes well for me. Me too. Me too. I was thinking about that this morning. Yes. I was thinking about it all night. Yeah. Um well all right. So moving along. Um we're we're gonna look here at the FBI hearing with Christopher Ray yesterday, Frank. And wonderful. Yes. I'm going to say this. It is not my most, uh, let's say I was doing it late at night. So the clips that I want to go to, I just like texted myself timestamps and I didn't make it all nice and cut them and make them pretty and everything like that. However, wherever it is, we end up listening. When I scroll through these timestamps, I, I, I texted myself in a stupor will be good content because we were talking in the pre-show just a second ago about how, these hearings are like showboat moments for a lot of people. And like senators will like ask questions that they know will, you know, inflame or will bring attention to them or whatever. So Ted Cruz had a little segment with him that's going kind of viral. Yeah. So that's the only that's the only thing I saw. Yeah. So he's when he smacked his boot up on the desk. What? You didn't see him do that. Well, like a literal boot. Yeah. He took his boot. That he wears because it says come and take it on it. Uh, no, I did not see that. That's kind of cringe. Yeah, I mean, that, that sounds pretty cringe. He had all these printouts and he had everything all like nice and he was clearly prepared to do this. So fine. I mean, we didn't need it to be done, but the clip I saw was of uh, of Ted Cruz talking with Ray and getting the um, getting confirmation that the, the the person who was out, the person who was leading the um, I guess the the branch in Michigan in Detroit yes for the 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 Whitmer thing is now overseeing DC and J six yes correct that was part of the same second segment of questioning he started it I believe with the with the uh, the domestic terrorism or domestic militia extremist or whatever thing from Project Veritas yeah. So that section was when he was like, I wear these boots every day. Am I like a domestic terrorist or whatever or domestic extremist? So he, you know, for listen, here's the thing. OK, Ray, and I'm I don't when I say these things, I don't mean that I like Ray. I think obviously the actions of the Bureau speak for themselves. So everything he said in there about the things I'm about to talk about was was just a, a peer more unbiased. But he pushed back against a lot of the left's, you know, nonsense. Like Hirono went after him and started talking about how all these abortion centers are being targeted with violence. And, you know, he mentioned that there are also places of worship and other, you know, uh, 
anti-abortion places being firebombed and they're looking into all of them. And like she was like, well, a lot of them were like all about the guns. And he would like push back about, you know, there are bad people out there. They're going to get their hands on them. And these are not law abiding citizens angle. Um, so like, well, I was I hate him and he hate is a strong word. I dislike Christopher Ray, and he's a very smarmy, two faced man. He did in the hearing push back against the more the most extreme of the left's nonsense. Well, that's interesting to hear. Yeah. Yeah. I I found myself listening to his answers and he would like give them a little bit of the carrot and then pull it away. Like he was very skilled as his attorney self would be in in playing them. But he didn't appear to me to be a far leftist FBI director when he was up there. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yes. But but given the the, given the fact that he's still there. Right. Right. I mean, all all the things we know. Right. Like, I know that he when he goes back to his desk is not saying, like, hold these people accountable for this partisanship. No. Come on. Well, was it was it Ray too? I somebody recently, like within the last 48 hours, said that the greatest threat that the United States faces right now is the communist Chinese. It was him. Which I thought was amazing because. It was only a couple of months ago. White supremacists were the most important, the, the most scary thing. And you'd think that that would remain the most scary thing since it's a domestic threat. No, you so, see, Dem- Democrats were pushing back against his very, very strong Chinese stance, anti-China stance, I should say. And also making very clear, Frank, that it's not the Chinese people. It's the government. Like, uh, like, come on. Like, we need to know that. I, I, I don't know if they're doing that because, like, there could be a conflict with China and they don't want us to look like we hate the Chinese people. So they're trying to like propagandize. I don't know. Like the Chinese people are not watching this hearing. So I don't know. But I just like he went on and on about China. I mean, he really did spend a good amount of time when asked explaining the terrible things that are going on with the Chinese in this country. And both Democrats and Republicans asked those questions. So the Senate is always in my in my you know experience, much more poised and sophisticated and less inflammatory. Even Cory Booker, believe it or not, was very friendly to law enforcement in his questioning. Because on the one hand, you know, they're talking about like the, the, the left is in a weird predicament because on the one hand, they're talking about gun violence and all kinds of other stuff and crime in our cities because they know that's the angle they have to go to. So they have to talk about, a, you know, the police because it's the FBI director. Yeah. And so they're they're very like supportive of the police. And I wanted Ray to be like, well, actually, there's one segment in here we're going to listen to, which was very interesting. I think it was Tillis who was questioning them about Black Lives Matter and Act Blue and made the direct tie between Act Blue and Black Lives Matter and the things that are on the website. And Christopher Ray is physically disturbed by what he's hearing. So it was really interesting. But, you know, they, they, they hold themselves differently. Like, it's not the house where you'll have, like, a Rashida Tlaib screaming at the top of her lungs. Like, it's, it's a much more, especially the Judiciary Committee, Wait, Cory Bush is a senator? Cory Booker. Oh, Booker. I think you said Cory Bush. No, no, no. Booker. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you said Bush, though. Okay. Oh, I, I don't think I did, but if I did, I, I apologize. Um, so so he 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 was talking about his time as police chief or whatever in New Jersey. And you he know, was? Yeah, I, I, that's where it came from. Hold on. Let me see. Oh. Cory Booker, police. Newark. 
Wasn't he like the the mayor of Newark or something? He's the he's the, he's the mayor of shit town. Yeah, I don't know. I don't see it, but wow, I didn't know. I didn't know that. Yeah, he was talking about it for a long time, and then you know you had the idiots like Mazzy Hirono is just an idiot. She's an, she's a yes complete she's, moron. She's a just stupid. I'm sorry, but she's not. She's she's just dumb. Like you can tell. Like just shut yeah. up. She has, she's she's very unintelligent. She has a voice that sounds like she's falling down a well. <laughs> yeah, and she can't. Like she trails away. She's not. It sounds like she's falling down a well. Right. She can't get out a sentence without reading it from a piece of paper, and whatever. So there's her. And then you know there was a lot of talk about child trafficking. There was a lot of talk about a lot of things, and there was a lot of the Democrats trying to basically like talk about J six in a way that is completely inappropriate. Because it blankets the entire country, basically, in extremism and how they could use social media to stop people from getting together to talk about anything. Those those bothered me a lot. This is why I said with you the other day when we were talking about the Alex Jones trial and the the bar that needs to be reached for defamation. Number one, I, I was pretty sure that to defame somebody, you would have to actually single them out. No, because it. it because it's, you know, to then we all have a gripe. Yeah, I mean, you can. You, you do have to. It, it Not in this case is what I meant. No, because what, what I didn't realize and I should have is that this this bit of Alex Jones testifying and stuff was not um, to deter so that a jury could determine whether or not he was guilty because the judge ripped that option right out of the table and decided that he was guilty on her own. This was to determine the award that the parents would get. Right. And we're going to hopefully get a guest on who can I want to go in this into this in detail. Like, I don't want to do a surface level. Oh, the judge is horrible. I want to know. I can't find the docket to read it myself. I can't find it. It's a state court. It's hard to find these things. I've been searching. Can't find it. So I need someone who is in in it to, to come in and tell us. So I'm working on that now. Can't wait. Yeah. Anyway, so let's go through my hodgepodge of of clips. Um, which will take a little while. I'm just going to warn everybody, but it's worth it. I think. I think it's worth yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. All right. So here I say one hour and fifty three minutes. I'm going to scroll to one hour and fifty three minutes and see what happens. Let me go to fifty two just in case I was a little bit off. Here we go. Has really surged, and that really started in 2020. Oh wait, hold on. Uh, um, we're already here, and they have a lot in common. Um. Of the domestic violent extremists, racially motivated violent extremism uh, is a is responsible for the the most lethal attacks that we've seen in the country over the last several years. Um, and of the racially motivated violent extremism, the biggest bucket is those who advocate for the superiority of the white race. I will say- now hold on a second. We're going to stop because when when did that happen? I don't know. I it, this is just it, it really just seems like they're they're fighting imaginary. It, it seems like when me and my friends in the in the early nineties would run around in the backyard and beat up the invisible Foot Clan, thinking we're <laughs> thinking we're Ninja Turtles. Yeah. I, I I just I really just truly want to see. So what are you what are you talking about? I mean, I guess the one instance that he could reference is Buffalo. That, but 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 even. Okay, well, I, I yeah, I, I read a little bit about that. 
But well, other than it, that, it, what about mowing down everybody at the, the the black man who mowed everyone down at the parade? Well, that's what I'm saying. For the one person, every time we have one person who says something about wanting to take out black people, there's three other incidents that are almost completely reversed. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, as far as where the majority of the, the threats there that are, you know, I, I don't even want to play this game of one, one or the other. How many extremists do you have versus how many extremists? I hate even playing this game, but I'm so confused as to where these numbers are coming from. Well, Cause it's just, it's just not our everyday experience. No. And you know that if this was something that was happening with some kind of regularity, the news would exploit every one of them. Everyone. So I haven't seen any media coverage that would they would take five of them if there were five since 2020. He's talking about. So that has to be some significant number for him to be saying that you'd think. And I love how I love how um, even in that respect, you have disaffected children who are usually hopped up on drugs completely out of their minds, have been destroyed by the school system. They go out and do something. All of a sudden, it's white supremacy. Oh, yeah, I, I think that is just I think that is a mental patient, a mental patient that has absorbed a toxic culture around them and has manifested in really scary ways. Yeah. But they, they use it politically to say there's a wide rise of white supremacy, which is really pathetic, if you think, because you would think a white supremacist would be very proud in displaying themselves in, in society. And they're nowhere to be found. I know. I don't see it. Like we were in the very beginning of the hearing. There was some little segment about how the coup, the the Ku Klux Klan or the Nazis or something. I don't even remember. And they were everywhere. And I looked at Will and I'm like, oh, yeah, we're being overrun by by uh, white white hoods. I don't understand. Like like it's anyway, it's just not there. But here we go. You know, the, the KKK would want to kill all the Italians, too, by the way, including me. Yeah. <laughs> yep that over the last couple of years, uh, another group within the domestic violent extremism bucket um, has really surged. And that really started in 2020, uh, I would say, uh, through the summer and then continuing on to the present. And that's what we put into the category of anti-government, anti-authority violent extremism. Uh, sometimes there's overlap, but it's different. Uh, and so that includes everything from militia violent extremism all the way to anarchist violent extremism. What they all have in common is a is a, a, a focus on institutions of government and law enforcement as their um, likely target. So he, he took the, both the quote left and the right and lumped them into that category. Right now, the problem that I have with it is it's one thing to go and online and talk about your distrust and dislike and hatred of the government or the police. It's another thing to act on it. So, well, yeah, yeah. Well, what is what does that even mean? Because acting on your distrust and dislike of government can just mean protesting, you know, uh, to, right. to act to to manifest your dislike into into to, into bomb, bomb making and terroristic, you know, activity. That's something completely different. Well, people you know, don't fact, do that without the help of the FBI. So <laughs> I know. But, but you know, and you know where he's getting all of his numbers from, because I guess it's seen it seems terroristic when angry mothers show up in Loudoun County well, and talk about what's going on. I mean, that that is domestic terrorism now, even though they're just upset about abusive school curriculum. Well, they've been he was actually confronted about that in this hearing. Also, I don't know that I clipped it out because there were a couple of inferences he made to Durham that I wanted in the in this little segment. So I think I picked three longer segments. But 
if you want to go listen to it, it's in the show notes. It's three hours long. You can definitely put it on 2X because these people speak like turtles. So you can definitely hear it if you put it on 2X. Let's let him finish here. What they want to do is tear down the government. Blumenthal, by the way. Support insurrections like we saw on January 6th. And they are fostered by a lot of online communication using social media, correct? Correct. And what can be done to, in effect, counter the use of social media to incite that violence? And is social media, big tech, doing enough now? Well, um, what can be done? I would say a couple things. One is we are trying to encourage more people uh, just as they do in the physical world, we want them in the virtual world. If they see something, say something. If they see somebody <laughs> expressing uh, threats of violence, criminal activity uh, on the Internet, we, we want people to, to reach out to law enforcement and let them know so we can prevent an attack. Uh, so we need more and more of that. Uh, you mentioned the social media companies. Uh, we do try to work with the social media companies, and there are things that they can, and some of them do, uh, using their terms of service. Like completely ban the right from using social media. Um, yeah. Th- there's one thing they do. He's basically, and it's going to go on for another minute, but Blumenthal is basically saying, how do we criminalize the conservatives? Because he refuses to see progressive violence, which Ray encompassed into this. But then, like I said didn't distinguish again when confronted with it. Yeah. So here. Uh, violations of their terms of service to take accounts down and things like that. Uh, but there is. I th- and another thing, taking an account down, if that person is truly a violent extremist, isn't going to do anything to stop the violent extremism. It's just going to remove them from online so no one else can see it. They're still going to harbor those same tendencies. So wouldn't you think they'd want to leave the account up? Yeah, leave the account up and wait until it's arrest day. Right. You know, He's just talking day. about censorship. I, I, I Absolutely. Like, for example, you know how many strikes I have gotten and had taken away or have expired over the years? Where some of them have been labeled, they have labeled uh, my activity as in, inciting of violent or something really ridiculous and i'm asking myself you you really think i have been inciting violent some kind of violent act or bringing violent attention down on somebody else and all you're going to do is take my super chats away yeah yeah i I don't even and and whatever i mean i still have broadcast capability on some of these platforms but it makes no it just makes no sense you're inciting violence and hate. We're going to take away your money. <laughs> like, yeah, but you can, but you can still stay here and broadcast. Yeah, though. still say the things you want, but we, you can't I, use our super chat function. Nothing is commensurate. Nothing makes sense. And and uh, but we know what it's all about. It's about it's about really trying to try to try to take the wind out of the sails of people who are doing a much better job communicating their thoughts and their concerns than the media has done in the last thirty years. Yeah. I think a a phenomenon that we all have to recognize, which is that the social media industry, uh, you know, enjoys the ability to 
uh, amplify and connect people. And there's good things that come with that, and there are bad things that come with that. And I think we would all be in a better place uh, the more those companies can take more responsibility for misuse, misuse, abuse uh, of their platforms. I have one more quick question for you. Um, uh, two of my colleagues, Senators Rubio and Menendez, have written, uh, have have taken action to try to. Oh, this was about Cuba. We don't need to hear that. There's that. Um, okay, two hours and thirty minutes. Here we go. Not going to make you listen to Hirono. I, I was going to, but you know what? No. Oh, geez, what the hell just happened? I don't know. I particularly appreciated some of your opening comments with respect to the 38,000 people that work in the FBI being good, hardworking, honest people doing their job and doing a dangerous job. We've seen that with uh, some of your testimony related to the uh, to the loss of life. Um, I am going to stick to my time, maybe even yield back a little bit more because my colleagues, uh, Senator Lee, cited some concerns I have about past investigations and Senator Cruz. I think pointed out uh, some important uh, issues that we can deal with, and and I can submit questions for the record. I had a, I put a copy of this on your desk just so you could see it because uh, I didn't have time to have it blown up. But uh, I talked about this at a committee hearing um, a week or so ago. Uh, a lot of your testimony talked about what a dangerous job it is for FBI, local law enforcement, state law enforcement. And uh, last week, I just happened to do a quick Google. Uh, I did ActBlue, which is the primary fundraising engine uh, for uh, Democrats. We have an equivalent. I don't begrudge them for having that. They raised $513 million between April 1st and June 30th this year. But the result of my query also came back to a subpage on ActBlue, which is sponsored by Black Lives Matter. And it's called the 13.12, the 13-mile run for justice. And so far, they've raised about $1.1 million. And their cause is, and the web, this is directly from the website, why 3.12 miles? 3.12 equals ACAB, which equals all cops are bastards. Every mile you run is a dollar for Black Lives Matter to use in their mission of dismantling white supremacy and defunding the police. Do you think all the FBI agents, the 38,000 of them, are bastards? Absolutely not. Do you think most of them are white supremacists? Absolutely not. Um, do you think that this is unhelpful to addressing the issue that you raised in your opening testimony about the safety and security of law enforcement in this nation? I have a lot of things I would say about this piece of paper and the message in it. Many of them are not probably appropriate for it's definitely a hearing. piece. Um, I um, you know, I, I was now he's truly angry, Christopher Ray, right now. Like if you okay. see his face, okay, he's truly angry. This isn't a show. And what Tillis did here is brilliant because you don't see on Win Red anything like this. Act Blue, the Democrats' fundraising arm, is what sponsored this fundraiser. Mm. And that's what he said in the beginning. He made the tie. And the next person to question is going to try to separate the Democrats from that, which 
is impossible now because they've embraced it to a point where it's their core platform. It's their, it's theirs. They own it. They, they did it. They did it to themselves. They probably realize now that the, most of the country is not complete lawless moron idiots. Um, here, wait, let's keep going. Thinking about uh, Senator Cruz's comment, I could actually say based on this appeal, and it's still on the website. I'm checking it every day to see how much more money they're raising. They're trying to re- raise $1.1312 million. They're at $1.1 million so far. It would almost seem to me that people that would actually say this and say that you should run around police stations to do the 13 miles and that you should make noise and make yourself known, it almost seems to me that they're rising at least to an extremist organization. And unlike uh, Black Lives Matter, sanctioned by Act Blue, I don't think all of the people in Black Lives Matter are bad people. I don't even think most of them are. But I think some of them are. And I think that these kind of statements published on the Internet to raise money to make police officers less, uh, less safe maybe warrant an opportunity to have a Black Lives Matter flag on a website somewhere in the FBI and say, not all of them are bad. Just like you said, people that uh, uh, observe some of the symbols of our nation are not all bad, but it could be an indicator. Why wouldn't it be logical to say that people that would say this sort of stuff could actually have a number of them, maybe even a small number, who are taking an extremist position that are making law enforcement less safe and potentially instigating attacks against law enforcement officers. Why shouldn't that be something the FBI should study and, 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 and make known that this is something that the community should be looking at? Well, I think, we, I think number one, I want to be careful that here, as in everywhere else, uh, I'm not commenting on First Amendment expression, um, but when it comes to violent extremism of any stripe, it doesn't matter to me or to us at the FBI whether you're uh, upset with the result of the election or upset with the results of our criminal justice system, you don't get to uh, use violence to express that sentiment. But you don't uh, have think- a Black Lives Matter flag in your domestic extremism book. Right. Which is his right. point. That, exactly. Exactly. That has, it's, it's, oh, it's so, it's just so, the concept is so simple. There is no balance here. No, there's zero balance. And, he that was br- the way he just did that was just brilliant. I I, I think it's br- he doesn't answer the question yet, Ray. I don't I don't know if he does. I'm going to keep playing it. I don't remember. Um, but th- that was beautiful. Here we go. We have put out intelligence products related to what uh, we call racially motivated violent extremism. Some of which is uh, is actually not uh, advocating superiority of the white race, but there has been, believe it or not, violent extremism. Racially motivated violence reason the other way, too, um, in some instances. And so we have investigated in those instances, brought charges in those. Thank and you. there may be some intelligence products. As well. I hope you will. I, uh, uh, I'm going to continue to monitor this and monitor their fundraising progress. This is not the last time that this committee is going to see it. The next time it'll be blown up. Uh, but as long as they're doing this sort of stuff, I think we have to call them out for it. In the same way that I would call out anyone at the other end of the spectrum for inciting violence against anyone. It's wrong. And it's making our community less safe. Um, last question. Be quick so I can yield back a little bit of my time. Can you give me an idea of anyone who's been held accountable uh, who was involved in Crossfire Hurricane investigation? What specific actions, if any, have been taken? 
Well, we've taken a whole slew of actions in response to the Crossfire Hurricane report. Here I think we go. over Listen 40 plus corrective measures and Is so forth. Is anybody in the bureau? There are a number of disciplined. There are a number of people who are currently in uh, our what we call Office of Professional Responsibility, which is our disciplinary arm. Uh, you may wonder. Why has that not yielded its results yet? And that's because we are working closely with cooperating closely with and assisting the Durham investigation. And so that whole process, which is not unusual, uh, has been sort of slowed down to make sure that it doesn't interfere with the Durham investigation. Okay. So who was referred to the office of OPR? Yeah, that's a good question. I know. I know several like right off the top of my head. So I don't know if that that was not solicited, that answer that that you know what I mean? He didn't ask yeah. him about Durham. Right. He volunteered that on his own. Now, could that be his cover for explaining why nothing has been publicly made known yet about OPR taking any action against any of these people? And then you would also have to assume that the people he's referencing are currently working at the FBI because otherwise OPR wouldn't be involved. You're not going to discipline an employee who's gone. Right. So right. that was interesting to me that they're holding off on their disciplinary, supposedly. I don't know how much I believe, but they're holding off on their disciplinary action so that it doesn't interfere with the Durham investigation, which means the Durham investigation, if you take Christopher Wright as word, was investigating some members of the FBI for their role in Crossfire Hurricane. Mm. And before we get to the next and final clip that I have for us today, Frank. Yes. Frank. What, what should I do? The sh- <laughs> I love you. I love you. The show today is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Oh. I spend. Oh. Yeah, it's great. I spend a ton of time on my phone. Do, do you? Yes. Does it ever do you ever look at your screen time report and cringe? No, I don't. I actually I don't even know where to find a screen time report. Oh, mine comes up on my phone all the time. It says you spent 20 uh, percent more time on your phone. Here's your 15 hours a day that you spent staring at a screen. I do everything on my phone, though. I, I have this new app that saved me 30 percent, uh, 30 cents a gallon or so on gas. I use that. I go shopping for my groceries. I never order a car on my phone. Actually, I probably have ordered a car once or twice on my phone. I send pictures everywhere. But the scary part is that the phone carrier is collecting data on all of that. And Verizon has actually even admitted to it. They say it's so they can better understand your interests, but really all they want is to sell your activity to advertisers, which is exactly what they are doing, which the advertisers are then using, but also the FBI is using to track your whereabouts on certain days of the year. Yes. On (laughs) certain days of the year, certain events. and, and, And you know what else? Enterprising uh, organizations are taking that data to find out who's trafficking ballots. So it's all, you know, it squares out in the end of the day, you know. Um, So stuff like the sites that you visited, what you've been up to online, the more that they can farm from you, the larger the paycheck becomes for them, which is Uh why I use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that prevents your phone carrier from being able to see the sites you visit and sell it off to third parties. All it takes is one tap of a button and all of your network data is encrypted and rerouted through ExpressVPN secure servers for ultimate privacy. Not only does it shield your web browsing, but ExpressVPN protects all of your network data so you can stay private even when using your favorite apps. What's your favorite app? 
I don't know, but but let me ask you this: Does the, so many VPNs are guilty of slowing down your your uh, your browsing speed, upload and download uh, uh, speed, and all that? How does uh, how does ExpressVPN do compared to others? I've never noticed a difference, and as a matter of fact, my husband uses ExpressVPN to watch Met games streaming on the television. Nice. So it works. Okay. Honestly, he <laughs> does. Um, when whether you're on an iPhone, an Android, or even a tablet. ExpressVPN works on all your devices. And the best part is one subscription can be used on up to five at the same time. I have my whole family using it. They're all using ExpressVPN. When your phone carrier tracks you, that's a gross invasion of privacy. You can either keep letting them cash in on you, or you can visit expressvpn.com slash dark to light to get the same VPN that we use here. Take back your online privacy today and use our link to get three extra months free that's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash dark to light. ExpressVPN dot com slash dark to light. Woo-hoo. Hell yes. So three hours. It says in my my uh, 1229 a.m. text message to myself, go to three. So off we go to three. All right. And this is the last this is the last clip you this, said. This is the last one I've got. Yes. Before we move mm-hmm. on to other things, I believe I'm going to go to 259 just in case again. I made a mistake because I was playing. Uh, I was listening to this and playing a, a stupid bingo game on my tablet at the same time. <laughs> and like, so I couldn't stop to write a time slot in the middle of them calling the numbers. Otherwise I would have lost. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I, 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 you know what? I, I have to download a game on my, on my phone. I usually have, I usually have not bingo, but spades. Oh, that's and, great. Yeah. And it'll, it'll like, uh, it'll put me, I like some of those those free apps. They can put you with three other players from random places in the world. You can't communicate with them, but you play a knows? real game. Yeah, think. it's something. So you're not so lonely. No, it, it makes me it, it, it segments my brain in a very good way. Like I have to be doing something else while I'm listening to this, but it can't be something that requires concentration. Right. So it like it box the way my brain works. It just helps me to better absorb information. So I picked that game last night. So I was like, I'm not giving up this round. I'm actually in jackpot. So I'm like, here we go. Um, I don't I can't say that with certainty. Uh, did he or does he work on the FBI investigation? Oh, I'm too Mr. I'm too far. OK, this is uh, Kennedy. Is I would call. But uh, request, I think, calls for uh, significant upgrades to our IT systems. We talked earlier in response to one of the earlier questions about mm-hmm. significant increases there. Bear, bear with me. Um, and so those are some of the things I would call out. There's a number of them in the, uh, the budget request, uh, but that are particularly important as we try to get ahead of the threats. You know, I think that's one of the things that we all need to be getting better at is trying to focus on where's the threat going to be a year and a half from now, two years from now, five years from now, and not just tomorrow. Thank you very much. Thanks, Senator Padilla, Senator Kennedy. Um, come on, Senator. Come on, Senator. Thank you, uh, Mr. Chairman. Um, Mr. Director, who is uh, Timothy Tebow? Now, when he asked that question, what did you think? Uh, Tim Tebow from <laughs> the from the the Broncos and the, the Mets. Mets farm team. <laughs> Right. I'm like, why is he asking? I'm like, where is Kennedy going with this question? <laughs> where is it going? Is then, he talking about him, though? No, he's okay. talking about one of the FBI agents called out by the whistleblowers that everybody on this show is well aware of. I called him Theobald. 
but it's pro- pronounced Tebow. Oh, okay. I know. I it took me listening to about thirty seconds of this to understand. But anyway, here we go. Uh, Mr. Tebow was uh, was uh, for some period of time until relatively recently, uh, what's called an ASAC uh, in our Washington field office. Which means that he's not there anymore or he's on leave, which they're going to talk about in a second. So remember when I said this whistleblower story is much bigger than anybody really realizes? I'm I'm telling you, Frank, this is, I'm telling you, people pay attention, go back, Read everything in that damn article and read it again. You're going to need it in a few months. I promise you're, t- you're talking about the Veritas one. No, this is the Grassley, the Grassley one. Oh, geez. Okay. I'm thinking my head's elsewhere. Okay. No, go no, ahead. no, there were two. There were th- those whistleblowers and then the Grassley Johnson whistleblowers that I, I might have. I think we did it together. The article that I had written about the Ukraine and the Biden laptop and all of that stuff. These are the whistleblower T-ball T-bow. <laughs> was the whistleblower that was called out by Grassley and Johnson, one of them. So he's being disciplined right now. Now, what does that mean to anybody? Everybody's going to be like, that doesn't mean anything. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, pay attention. He was the uh, assistant special agent in charge. That's what ASAC stands for. There's a whole number of them in the Washington field office. The structure is there's at the head of the office and then there's SACs. And then the next level down, there's the level that he would. So he's trying to minimize his role. He's, he's saying, oh yeah, he's only the third level down in the Washington field. (laughs) He's a nobody. I know. And then you'll hear, you'll hear how much more he tries to minimize his role in a second, but it doesn't work out that way. And, um, he, uh, has or had been with the FBI about 25 years. Is that right? Well, now you're, now you're testing my, my knowledge a little bit. Okay. Uh, he was a powerful guy. Is that correct? I'm sorry? He was a powerful guy. Is that correct? Well, I don't know that I would, I don't know that I would use that description. Okay. <laughs> he had no power. He was a powerless guy. I think guy. every law enforcement agent in the FBI with the responsibilities they're entrusted with has significant power. Okay. You know, he's like, well, I wouldn't go that far. Why are yeah. you putting this wrench in my back? Come on. Come on, Ray. This is what I was, did he work this, on? This man the had no power whatsoever. Yeah. Trump Russian collusion investigation. Uh, he did. I'm not sure I know the answer to that. Yes, not you do. that I'm aware of, but I, I don't. Uh, I don't. I can't say that with certainty. Uh, did he or does he work on the FBI investigation of Mr. Hunter Biden? So. The investigation uh, that you're referring to, and I have to be a little bit careful because we're talking about an ongoing investigation, is being run out of our Baltimore field office, working with our working with the Delaware U.S. attorney, who's a holdover from the prior administration. So, so why was that little bit of information necessary? Hmm. I know. Why would it be a holdover? That's what you're calling your U.S. attorneys, Gray. Holdovers, <laughs> you know, just not. And let me be clear: this is this this holdover of ours <laughs> is what we in the field call a loser <laughs> who has no influence whatsoever on anything. That's exactly right. Like it was so ridiculous when I heard in that. Fact, 
in fact, we don't even know why he's still employed. He's like Milton from Office Space. <laughs> Have you seen my stapler? That's what he's doing in Delaware, trying to get an indictment on Hunter Biden, walking around with the stapler. Okay, here we go. So I'm, I'm confused, Chris, with your answer. Did he work or does he work on the Hunter Biden investigation? As I said, the, the Hunter Biden investigation is being run out of the Baltimore field office. Why can't you just say no? I know. Why can't you just say no? It would be a definitive answer. That's why. <laughs> There, there wouldn't there wouldn't be a question mark at the end of it. You should have seen his face in this clip. He was like, that's it. <laughs> you know what? I'm a loser who laughs at these things. <laughs> I don't know. If you don't, you'll cry. I know. Here we go. More. Um, isn't isn't it true that uh, in September of 2020, special agent Tebow went on social media and liked a Washington Post article entitled, quote, William Barr has gone rogue. I have seen uh, uh, descriptions to that effect. Um, I have to be a little bit careful about how far we can go in this conversation uh, because of specific ongoing personnel matters. Isn't it true that also in September of 2020, Special Agent Tebow went on social media and posted a Washington Post article entitled, quote, why the Michael Flynn case still matters? A similar answer to, to the one I gave before. Similar, but not Isn't the same. So what's different, Christopher Ray? if it's similar and not the same? What's different? Will you share with us? Enlighten us. Sorry. It's just I'm like these are the things. If I ever got a, if I ever got elected, yeah, it, it, I mean it's a, it's a very logical and simple follow up. There's going to be a few more of them, and we're going to sit through them because the end of this is is really good here. That in November of 2020, Special Agent Tebow, Assistant Special Agent in charge of the DC office, who allegedly worked on the. Uh, Trump Russia collusion investigation he and did. the Hunter Biden investigation. He does. Retweeted a Lincoln Project tweet that said, quote, Donald Trump is a psychological, I'm sorry, a psychologically broken, embittered, and deeply unhappy man. <laughs> Again, you know, I've I've seen descriptions uh of posts um and I got really trying to be very careful. Um, not to get in the way of any ongoing personnel matters. Isn't it also true that in January of 2001, in response to Senator Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville's election to the United States Senate from Alabama, of course, um, Special Agent Tebow went on social media and posted Quote, thank God for Mississippi, the state motto of Alabama. I just want to say every time he says special agent Tebow, I think of like Tim Tebow on a football field with a cape. Yes. <laughs> Come on, special agent Tebow. He's still kneeling. <laughs> for the right He's, reasons. Yes. 
<laughs> he says his prayer and on his way. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not can't sit here and quote chapter and verse on on an individual's social media posts. Isn't it also true that in June of 2020, <laughs> special agent in charge, Tebow, a 25 year veteran of the agency, tweeted to Congresswoman Liz Cheney, quote, your dad was a disgrace. Well, I mean, I can't really. Again, I've seen descriptions uh, to that effect, um, but I'm going to have to be very careful not to interfere with any kind of ongoing person. And last month, didn't didn't Agent Tebow go on on media and tweet, quote, can we give Kentucky to the Russian Federation? Uh, Again, same same answer that I've given before. All right. Isn't it true that uh, Mr. Tebow, Agent Tebow, excuse me, and FBI supervisory intelligence analyst Brian Otan covered up derogatory information about Mr. Hunter Biden while working for the FBI? Well, again, I want to be very careful not to interfere with ongoing personnel matters. Uh, I, I should say that when I read the letter that describes the kinds of things that you're talking about, um, I found it deeply troubling. Uh, and it is troubling. And it is totally... And it's not but, about but, their political but, but, beliefs. I, right, right. It's not about their political beliefs. It's about that this is a senior uh, employee at the FBI with years of experience going on sh- social media and tweeting this kind of stuff. So I have, since I started in... Which gives the people the impression that there is bias. Whether there is or there isn't. There is. There is. I feel very strongly, and I have communicated consistently since I started as director, that our folks need to make sure that they're not just doing the right thing, that they're doing it in the right way, and that they avoid, avoid even the appearance of bias or lack of objectivity. And in fact... In fact, one of the things I did, which to my knowledge had never been done before at the FBI, was in 2018, I pulled together and I took, I started at the top, which in my experience, and somebody in law enforcement, never works that way. I started at the top and I brought the 250 or so very top people in the FBI from one corner of the globe to the other for a full day stand down at Quantico, where the whole focus of the message, and we heard from the inspector general, we heard from a judge, we heard from the, the people who enforced the Hatch Act. The whole focus I, I know was you, on I know you did, the importance Mr. of, a, of and, the But appearance. you wouldn't do something like this. This man had been with the FBI for 25 years. He's now on leave. He did this kind of stuff as recently as last month. Do you know how this looks to the American people? I will tell you that what you're describing is not representative of the <laughs> FBI that I see up close every day in this. Bullshit. Good. Wow. Good job, Boner Nose. Thank God. It's not indicative of the things that he sees every day up close. Well, you know what? You must be blind, you. All I say is how lucky is, is Christopher Ray? He's the only one in the country that sees something <laughs> different. Good. He sees. He comes into work like Peter Parker dancing down the streets of Manhattan. Yeah, three three hundred thirty million people in the country uh, who who see who see this for for what it is. But you know what a lucky guy Chris Ray is. Who he doesn't see any of it. He sees zero. I'm gonna keep going with this one here. 
country where I see patriots working their tails off. Wait, wait, he said patriots. That's in the manual. Oh, <laughs> so he so terrorists. He sees terrorists <laughs> working their tails off every day. And I with agree tremendous with that. integrity. I, I and agree with that and have said that to you repeatedly. But you're killing yourselves with this stuff. And this investigation needs to be completed on this this gentleman. And the results need to be reported to the American people. And you need to go back to every single case that that prick has litigated or has been involved with. And you need to reopen it and look again. They won't do that. No. No. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Now watch this. I think Senator Kennedy, Senator Ossoff. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Director Ray, nice to see you again. Always a pleasure to see a fellow Georgian. In your position. Oh, I yeah. Wanna... He goes and kisses his butt about being from Georgia and please come back to Georgia and sit with Georgians and blah, blah, blah. Never mind. Never mind that crack. Yeah. Forget all the politicization in the justice system. We don't need to talk about that. Anyway, do you want to hear T- Ted Cruz? Because it's too late to get started on anything new, really. And eh, I, can... I mean, I, 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 if, if it's the if it's the boot thing, nobody's going to be able to see it. No, but you can hear it. Okay. Director Ray, I'm deeply concerned that the FBI and the Department of Justice have become thoroughly politicized. He's I think concerned. this is a problem that began during the Obama administration. I think it metastasized with career officials during the Trump administration, and I think it continues and is even worse today under the Biden administration. I don't believe you personally reflect that politicization, but I think you've been unwilling to root it out and unwilling to hold people accountable for the politicization I hear regularly from FBI agents and from professionals at the Department of Justice who are dismayed that our law enforcement has been weaponized and politicized rather than remaining apolitical as it has been for the history of our country. Yesterday, it was reported that Project Veritas had obtained a copy of an FBI training material which listed various symbols and themes, which in the FBI's estimation were indicative of, quote, militia violent extremism. Now, these symbols weren't things like the Ku Klux Klan or the Nazi Party, which naturally would be symbols of that. But instead, they included rather astonishingly patriotic symbols of our nation and our history. Included on this list is the Betsy Ross flag. Now, that's fairly remarkable that the Betsy Ross flag and the FBI's indication is indicative of violent of militia, violent extremism, because among other people who have been publicly alongside the Betsy Ross flag, we have President Barack Obama, who was sworn in directly underneath two Betsy Ross flags. But it's not just President Obama. We also have President Biden who was sworn in under Betsy Ross flags. It's not just the Betsy Ross flag. Also on this list is the Gadsden flag as a symbol of violent extremism. Now, Now he talks about that, the license plate in Virginia, the fact that DeSantis just released the license plate. But what I really actually want to get to is, hold on, I want to get to Christopher Ray when he finally gets to talk. Here we go. With the particular document you have behind you, uh, and I'm not in the practice of trying to comment on documents that I haven't uh, recognized, but I will. So he says he's never seen this before. Okay. Yeah. He's never seen it. Not something that's come across his desk, Frank. Right. Yeah. Tell you that when we put out intelligence products, including ones that reference 
symbols, which we do across a wide variety of contexts, we usually uh, make great pains, take great pains to put uh, caveats and warnings in the document to make clear that a symbol alone is not considered evidence of violent extremism. Uh, and it's Well, but Director Ray, you don't include things like Antifa. You don't include things like Black Lives Matter. Instead, you identify patriotic Americans as suspect. And I would note there's a pattern of this. As you're aware, the national here's the um, that's uh, that's the whole thing about that's the whole thing about what you were talking about. And then yeah. the, ne- the next person, this is important. They're arguing back and forth. They're arguing back and forth. Real quick to end, Coons comes on next. That is astonishing. Here we go, Senator Coons. Thank you, Chairman Durbin, Director Ray. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, I want to actually I'm wrong. There was one point in this hearing. It wasn't here where uh, the chair who goes on to say, I want to make sure in the record, it's clear that there is this language in this book or in this paperwork that says blah, 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 whatever. But this hearing, if you have three hours and you're cleaning and you're done listening to the podcast and you want to go and listen to it, there were a few other little tidbits in there about open investigations with Durham and the Hunter Biden laptop investigation that's potentially ongoing and a couple other things. But those were the things that I pulled out of it. And that's that. What'd you think, Frank? I think that I know more about this than I ever did. And (laughs) I'm glad, uh, I'm glad we did this. Are you upset that you? (laughs) No, 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 no. I it's things this week that I didn't, uh, I didn't pay attention to. So I'm glad we got this. It's more than a crash course. It was pretty thorough. Yeah, we did it. We did it. Yeah, and we did it. Now we can go into the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> With yes, we can. Frank. <laughs> yes. I'm, <laughs> I'm falling headfirst into the weekend. <laughs> you have you have been listening to the Dark Delight podcast brought to you by ExpressVPN. Um, what, what do we what, what do we do next? Oh, the Dark Delight podcast with TGIF. Frankly, and <laughs> you can hear us every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 2.30 Eastern time on TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple, iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and RadioInfluence.com. We will be back here bright and bushy-tailed on Monday. Later. This is an MMA report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan. Quick Fix on Radio Influence. The PFL, they need Cyborg because if you tell me they can't sign Cyborg and she either re-signs with, with Bellator or maybe she goes signs a one-fight deal with the UFC to fight a man, Nunez, maybe maybe it's a one-fight plus one. I, look, if you told me put a percentage on where I think Chris Cyborg's next fight is, I would say probably 5% UFC, 60% PFL, 35% Bellator. I'm really proud I, I just, of you for like, doing the math right on that one. <laughs> I, I, I had to start thinking in my head there. <laughs> but like, like, the one thing that I noticed when I did my Bellator rankings after uh, the last card was that there was only nine total fighters to, or I guess you'd say eight fighters to rank because Cyborg's a champion. So two fighters were no longer a part of the pool. It, it just It just makes me wonder, like, if you're Bellator, you know, do, do you do you stay in that Chris Cyborg business? Like, like, look, as a fight fan, I want to see Kayla Harrison versus Chris Cyborg. Like, my thing with Kayla Harrison is, like, I truly believe 
that she wants to go down as the greatest women's mixed martial arts. Now, I think all she wants to get paid too, but the reality is, and this is no disrespect to what the PFL is doing right now. You can't be in the PFL and have a, a arguable resume to say you are the best fighter. Yeah. Because for Kayla, the opponent she needs to beat, there aren't that many in her weight class at 145. Uh, it's two names to validate herself. It's Cyborg and it's Amanda Nunez. Yeah. And then you start looking at taking on credible UFC bantamweights who put on weight and, and, and fight weight class above. So those are the two names for Kayla to put herself in the same category as Amanda or Valentina Shevchenko. This is an MMA report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan. Quick fix on Radio Influence. 